<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. And while you're there, grab a copy of Work Wife, our new-ish book. It's chock full of conversations with amazing business partners. And leave us a voicemail at 833-OF-A-KIND. You can send in listener requests, share a story, say hello, you know, whatever. Um, something that I'm obsessed with on avakind.com mm-hmm. recently the objet ame cerise yes. bowl trio cerise is french you've been for talking cherry. about it a lot I, cerise, cerise is, yes it is french for cherry i just want people to know what they're getting into yeah i don't want people to yeah. you know it's because a cherry like, bowl yeah it's a cherry yeah. bowl so it's a trio of three little like mm-hmm. stacking bowls mm-hmm. they're stoneware natural stoneware painted with black cherries yep. and i love they're them beautiful. and i was telling thomas for like a month before they came out i was like i'm by these bowls yeah. i'm by these bowls and he was like we're one, we live in a 420 square foot apartment. Mm-hmm. Like we, two, we bought bowls and we were in Japan. We don't have places for these bowls. No more bowls. You and don't have a cute bowl drawer. We don't have a cute bowl drawer. And like, hopefully we're going to be moving at some point in the near cute future. Like, well, not even our kitchen's not big enough for a cute bowl drawer, right? But we will like, at least then be able to reevaluate whether we have room for cute more mm-hmm. bowls, you know? And I was like, yeah, I hear everything you're saying. It all makes a ton of sense to me, but I'm still buying these. Mm-hmm. And then they showed up and he's like, I just truly don't know where we're putting these. They're on my counter right now. And Mm -hmm. then two days later, he was like, they are really good though. They're beautiful. And see, that's the thing. Sometimes you just got to buy a cute bowl even if you don't know where to put it. Preaching to the choir, girl. Uh, You know. Preaching to the choir. So these are 10% off of the code, a few things. You should check them out. Love them. Um, I'm so excited to discuss this next topic, which has (laughs) been an object of fascination for me for a while. And when I realized... It's not quite a trend story because we haven't hit on three, but there's two instances of behavior that seems inconsistent with sort of like the the driving principles of your personality. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Um, So the first one, and I'm doing this one because it's sort of a shorter story and there is nothing to, there's nothing to really take home about it, but you- (laughs) No guidance or advice or, Mm -mm. Okay. You don't drink water on airplanes, and I find it insane. I mean, we regularly fly across the country, and you will not accept water when it is offered to you. Well, the second half of the flight, I will sometimes have some water. (laughs) Because you don't want to go to the bathroom on an airplane. I hate 
going to the bathroom on airplanes. I mean, I, don't... I hate everything about it, Claire. I hate the like climbing. I'm rarely on an aisle mm-hmm. seat. Okay, I I typically have a middle seat. Okay, um, by choice. No, if I'm flying yeah. with anybody, yeah. I pretty much always have the middle okay. seat. Thomas loves sitting by the window okay. or like whatever. Okay. I, I, there I am. Okay. Um, so I'm almost always like climbing mm-hmm. over someone. That person's like, I has like a laptop out or is sleeping. But people or, expect that when I they're don't on like an airplane. It. I don't like it. It's not about them. It's about me. I do not like it. I don't like, there's usually somebody in the bathroom. I don't like standing in the aisle waiting there. I don't That's like. That's a great chance to stretch your legs and not get a freaking blood clot. Claire? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not saying any, I'm just saying that these are all things I don't like. I don't like the way the door works. I don't like that little way, way that it folds out. The accordion, out. she's making I, the accordion like you know, peak with her hands just right now. that one accordion uh-huh. I do not like, and yeah. I do not like being in that little bathroom. I do not like how it looks, how it smells, how it feels. I don't like it. I'm so glad you're never having kids because I spend so much more time in those bathrooms now than I ever would have I hadn't thought. considered this as a principal yeah. reason, but I'm going to add it to the list. <laughs> add like, it to the here's list. Here's a reason why I'm not having children. I don't like airplane bathrooms. So I guess I don't I'm I didn't prepare a list of all the ways that this feels inconsistent with the guiding principles of your personality. However, I will say like one, you are extremely practical. Yeah. Um, Well, then like, well, sure, sure, sure. I guess this could be interpreted as practical Two, you love to follow the rules. Yeah, it is a rule that you drink a lot of water on airplanes. Yeah, like no, that I is a really big that. rule of life. You drink a lot of water on airplanes. I don't disagree. With and that. three, you do all sorts of like annoying beauty shit for your skin. And this is like the thing that everybody says, like you have to drink so much water on airplanes because it rehydrates the crap out of your skin. I t- totally, but like I, there, I listed all of the reasons I don't do it. So I've like long <laughs> observed this. I tattletailed on you to Chris recently who you was did. like it was a full-blown tattletale <laughs> who was appalled because he's really big into hydration um, well that's true I mean when you put it that way like of course Chris is gonna <laughs> right. be upset about it you yeah. know he's a leader of the slow water movement that's right um but I've always just found setter. it to be one of these like really sort of like amusing curious things about your relationship that or sorry one of these amusing curious things about your personality and then I identified another one recently that I had been aware of but hadn't really processed um, because even more than we take flights together, we ride the subway together and have been doing so much of that for like 10 years. 10 years. And then, you know, before that, we're friends. We rode the subway. And you never hold the pull. No. You never hold on. Every now and then if things get really rocky or like whatever, I do. And when... When confronted with this fact, you have the same sheepish smile of just like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't do it. Like, yeah. Well, and and then and so when I finally brought it up to you, I was just, why do you never do that? You, you will you tell you tell the the audience? Well, I don't do it because I, the poles are dirty, and I when I t- when I end up holding the pole, then I think about the hand that has held the pole <laughs> until I can wash it. Like if I if if the train's like a mess on the yeah. way to work, and I have yeah. to hold on to something because yeah. it's like rocking the entire eight minute walk from the subway to the office, I'll be thinking about this hand's dirty. This is this why I carry dirty, the Zhao hand refresher that we sell on avakind.com. No, I I just don't really like hand sanitizer that much. Okay, I love Zhao as like yeah. a different kind of product, but okay. I just like don't really like hand sanitizer. Well, I don't think anybody likes it as much as they like a good old fashioned sink and soap no <laughs> I just like I've never been a hand sanitizer person okay. I don't know okay but I just I like fixate on feeling mm-hmm. dirty and gross mm-hmm. and then have to wash it and like you know going to yeah. work is one thing but if you're just like running between meetings I just don't yeah. like feeling so I think people who are listening are identifying a pattern here of like not doing something that seems pretty rational and practical because of how much you dislike this like minor inconvenience <laughs> it's not a 
But like, what is so hard? For, but I don't. Yeah, but no, it's not hard for well, me to do any of these things. Well, I would argue. Mm. To not drink a glass of water for five or six hours. But I drink at the end of the flight when I know I'm going to get off and okay. go to the bathroom at the airport. You also don't drink before the flight. No, because of, yeah. of course not, yeah. because then I'm going to have to pee during the flight. <laughs> okay, so get so the, I actually <laughs> feel like the strap hanging situation, I understood what, more. What subways are you on with straps? That's a, just it's a strap <laughs> okay, hanger. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a term yeah, yeah, I like okay. it, strap hanging. Okay, okay. <laughs> like oh i'm a strap hanger i take the subway okay yeah um uh some our friend recently used the term skirt chaser like over and over definitely from the same era definitely (laughs) skirt chasers and strap hangers yeah title of my next album yeah a hundred percent okay so but tell me about how see now this this i actually think there's takeaway and i actually came around to like well, so here's the thing. My answer this. is you don't have to hold on to the yes, subway. You have a technique. If as long as you know how to stand in the subway. Yeah. You have to be focused. You have to like, you know, <laughs> you have to like know what you're doing. But Well, you looked at me, you also you were like, "Well, you know how to stand." Nope. Okay. So, this I learned how to stand on the subway the summer between my like sophomore and junior year of college. Mm-hmm. I was interning at Ogilvy. Yeah. And I was living in Long Island with my aunt and uncle, and I would take the Long Island Railroad train into Penn Station and just be dumped into this like it's you know a horrible train to take horrible. at rush hour yeah just dumped and then you'd slowly walk like cattle like you know the pacing was mm-hmm. atrocious you'd wait for two or three trains to come and everybody's just like pushing on pushing on pushing yeah. on no one can hold on to the you know whatever no you're and, held up by other people just being so close to you that there's yeah, nowhere to yeah, fall there's nowhere to fall yeah. basically so you know and i was also like 19 mm-hmm. and like probably wearing dumb heels and yeah. like all of it so one day i'm on the train and this well-dressed man next to me is like okay so here's what you're gonna do <laughs> Um, he's like, you know how to stand? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, so you you stand on an angle. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not. Parallel to the you're not want to move. You don't want to be like, exactly. Parallel wanna, to any doors. You don't want to be parallel to like the front or back of the train. You don't want to be parallel to the sides of the train. Cause then you're like sort of moving, you're swaying back and forth with the train. Yeah. You're like, well, you're not, you're not like, you're not moving with as the train moves forward and back. And you're mm-hmm. not moving if the train rattles side to side. Yeah. So you're sort of protected from all mm-hmm. of that, all of that movement. Yeah. And you sort of just like bend your knees, mm-hmm. um, like like uh, shock absorbers. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's a so slight bend. It's a slight bend. Yeah, um, it's a slight bend. Yeah, um, yeah. And you just—that's how you do that's it. I move. don't know. Stand at an angle, slight bend to the knees. I've been trying it. It does take a lot of glute strength. Um, and it's, I, you and gotta like squeeze your butt a little it's bit. It's like it's an active exercise. And so that's one thing I kind of like about it is I feel like I'm multitasking. I feel yeah. like I'm getting some exercise. The other, but you read on the train, and I'm like, that's like a lot. Don't you want to just like be able to hold your Kindle and hang on to the thing and just not? Well, Claire, think about mm, it. I've been standing like this on the subway for mm, you know, mm-hmm. you're an expert at this point. Years mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. I can. You've just started doing this. Yeah, you're right. You know? I'm a novice. So, so I'm like learning. for me, it's yeah. very different to read and <laughs> and stand and not I, hold on. Maybe one day I'll get there. Yeah. If I ride the train with Thomas, yeah. I'll like just hold on to him and be lazy okay. about it for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think Make about that a lot now. And get dirty. You know. <laughs> right. I didn't know that trick. I assume a lot of other people didn't. I do think that this is going to like take hold. Yeah. Let us know if it something. changes your life. Yeah. We need a hashtag probably like strap mm. ha- st- strap hanger solution. <laughs> it's there so we long. go. There it's we go. So long. Stra- hashtag strap hanger solution. Show us <laughs> strap hanger so- stand. It's the strap hanger stand. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Take a stand. A strap. Take a stand. <laughs> take a stand. 
we gotta work strap hanger oh my in there God. somehow strap hanger is so long <laughs> but it's a great and, and it's like from term. 1963 <laughs> <laughs> anyway tell us if you use um erica's trick erica's friend's trick my friend my friend's trick (laughs) yeah my friend that i met once and don't tell us if you don't drink water on an airplane we don't want to be appalled i want to hear it Mm -mm. thank you so much let's bring our guest on let's do it Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. You and I are so spoiled because we live in New York where they're like great doctors, great Mm -hmm. therapists, great everything available to us. And I was helping talking to a family member recently who is looking for good therapists. And it's just like having so much trouble finding people locally when you don't live in a place as, you know, congested with good medical (laughs) care as New York is. Truly, um, which is why it's really wonderful that BetterHelp exists. BetterHelp is online counseling, and you can get it on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists all across 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. So it truly doesn't matter where you live. You can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours and schedule weekly secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Anything you share is confidential, and if for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a different one. Which is nice, because you got to find that someone who's like the actual right fit for you, and you should be able to That's do trial right. and error and not feel like you're stuck with a therapist. I think it's so important to talk to multiple therapists, like sort of interview them, especially if you're just seeing a therapist for the first time yes. and aren't familiar with like the The, the process and what the connection yeah. is going to need to feel like. Exactly. Yeah. Best of all, BetterHelp is a truly affordable option. A few things with Claire and Erica listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code A Few Things. So why not get started today? Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Go to betterhelp.com slash a few things. That's betterhelp.com slash a few things. We are so excited about our next guest, who's one of the few people who's been Return on this, guest. Yeah, who's been oh on my this podcast more than once. Very yes. exciting. We have Mira Jacob today. She is the author and illustrator of Good Talk, a memoir and conversations. You've probably seen it by now because it's getting rave reviews everywhere. As it should be. We if you if you like this episode, go back and find the first episode that we had Mira on where we talked about her first novel, which was The Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing, which was so incredible. And honestly, one of my favorite podcast episodes we've done. We had such a good honest conversation about it um Mira we're so thrilled you're here thank you I'm really thrilled to be here I feel like I now feel like the Steve Martin of your podcast you are (laughs) you are you're a hundred percent our Steve Martin or Alec Baldwin whichever you whichever whichever (laughs) Whichever you prefer I think go with Steve Martin I'm gonna go with yeah 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 Yeah, that's right that's right that's right (laughs) (laughs) so Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing was a novel but there were definitely autobiographical elements of it for sure. Yeah. There was the um, the New Mexico mm-hmm. part yeah. of it, the yeah. Indians in New Mexico part of it. And then I think I um, told you guys on the mm-hmm. podcast, I had originally been writing about a family very different from my own, but I lost my father in the middle mm-hmm. and he ended up in the middle of the story. Right. Yeah. And then with Good Talk, you just went all the way there. It's, it's full fully autobiographical. Yeah. I know. That wasn't the plan. I mean, it was always going to be autobiographical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But can I just tell you guys, the book that I pitched was so much, like, it was so funny. <laughs> it was almost nothing but funny. Well, what well, year what, was what it? What did you pitch? Yeah. What, yeah. what year was it? Because that makes a difference. What book did you pitch? No. Yeah. yeah you're asking okay. all the right questions. Thank you. This is like therapy. <laughs> hey, you can't hear you guys. It was, um, it was early 2015. Okay. Uh-huh. When I... When the future looked bright. When the future yeah. looked... Eh, no. Yeah. I would not yeah. say that. I would yeah, say yeah. the future yeah. looked very specifically, like a specific kind of harrowing. Uh-huh. And it was a specific kind of harrowing that my son was in his weird, like, six-year-old brain was really 
nailing because he had this obsession with Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, right, right. And so he was understanding, and he's, you know, I'm brown, my husband's white. Yeah. He's somewhere between us. And he was sort of trying to figure out all this stuff about skin color because Ferguson was also happening. Right. And because the protests were shutting down yeah. the streets. So he was asking all these questions, and some of them were really funny, like what happened to his other glove? And some of them were really harrowing, like what did Michael Jackson like more, being brown or being white? Mm. Oh, because I should say, that was his main question. What yeah. color is Michael Jackson? Yeah. Which right? is a fair question. Which was a fair question when you leave your kid alone in a room with many big album covers. And, and Michael Jackson well, and looks we should different also say on he's them all. An extraordinary yeah. Michael Jackson impersonator, basically. He he's a right. really good dancer. Yes, he has all the moves. Yeah. And he like took it on in his full soul. Like I don't mm -hmm. know if we ever talked about this before this. He had a Freddie Mercury obsession, and he used to demand... False mustaches all the time to like go to the playground. Why are you even so getting false mustaches? Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> he saw him once, and then he was like, "I need mustache." And <laughs> and then we were at a dollar store. And I was like, "Oh, here's a mustache," and I got him one. And then after that, for like months, we would hit the playground. He was like, "Great, like, these are available to me in the world. Let's get them." <laughs> we would hit the playground, and he just put his hand out, and I'd be like, "God damn it!" And I'd give him a mustache, <laughs> which was super weird for the other kids, but it also helped him enter with some panache. Yeah, yes. totally. The, authority. <laughs> exactly. So it wasn't totally weird to me that he went as deep into Michael as he did, but he did. Like, he watched the videos obsessively. He got all the moves down in a way that was sort of uncanny, yeah. you know? Um, and then he started wanting me to call him the Six Jackson. And, uh, you know, we got a note from his teacher once that was like, you know, you should tell Z that it's okay to bring Z to school instead of Michael Jackson. And I was like, you really don't know my kid. <laughs> it's like, it's if you don't okay. understand that they're kind of the same person right. at this yeah. point, I can't If you think that you. he can separate yeah. this out, like, yeah. wow, okay. If you think that the way that we're getting him to the bus is by saying get up and go to school rather than get up, the audience is waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so he was asking all these pointed questions and, and in that space I drew, I knew these questions cause some of them got really dark. Some of them were, um, are white people afraid of brown people? And, um, that was like a hell of a question to try to answer. Honestly, I don't know that I did it particularly well. And then right on the heels of that, he was like, is daddy afraid of us? Mm -hmm. And when that happened, it was sort of like, I, I the nights that those things happened, I went and sat alone in my bathroom and just kind of shook and was like, what is this? What am I going to tell him? Because he sees these protests. He sees what's happening on the television. He's picking up on stuff. He's little, but he's still picking up on it. Of and, course. Right? He's a person in the world. He's a yeah. person in the world. He's getting some of this stuff. And what am I going to tell him? And so I drew us on printer paper. I cut us out. I put us on albums. And I made the first visual essay. And then I was like, I could do a whole book of these, a whole book of these weird, painful questions that live inside us that are, but also are really funny. And then, and I think we're going to come out of this moment, America, like we're going into a very dark moment right now, but we're going to peel out of it. So I'm going to be able to write about this with some sort of, I thought maybe distance mm -hmm. <laughs> or like optimism or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know that girl anymore. I don't yeah. even know that girl anymore. I thought it was going to be a different book. Yeah. And then... So you sold the book I on the, the book? with the, the pitch that it was going to be around hard questions that your son mm -hmm. asks you, which it still kind of is. It definitely it, that's is. That's a big part yeah. of it. Yeah. It was in my head, it was going to be about those questions and mm -hmm. then about this like weird moment America was in and how we always have to ask those questions, whatever. What ended up happening was that his grandparents on his father's side became avid Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. Our family sort of started cracking um, and... And the world started cracking along mm -hmm. 
with it, mm -hmm. certainly America. And I feel like any country that had formerly had a, a reasonable feeling about America started questioning that feeling as, as they continue to today. So all of that together turned the book inside out. And the other part of it is, as you guys know, having just written a book, like you, when you write from distance, you just write from a different place, right? Yeah. You've got a kind of like, here's what the hole is. Here's what I feel. And I was like, oh no, I'm just going to have to write this from the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's a really different feeling. Yeah. 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 Well, and the book kind of starts in the middle in some ways and then goes back and forward. Um, so And explores your yeah. own childhood and your experiences growing up and asking some of these same questions of your parents. Absolutely. And we, yeah. And we go through September 11 and, and we go through um, Trump getting elected and, and all of the things that have followed. Um, it is such a wonderful book. I am like so in awe. I think it's such a masterpiece. I laughed. Um, I cried. Yes. Like, yeah. Thank it you. is so wonderful. And I tore through it. I, I have so many questions. I want to start with the format and why you decided to do to do it in this way, to do it visually. Had you always wanted to have a, a is, is it is, is it a graphic novel, a graphic memoir? I, I, guess? I mean, I would call it a graphic memoir, but okay. nobody else seems to do that. So I feel like why I'm not? Just, I don't know. Okay. I'm just out here holding that flag by myself. Yeah. Well, I, think of it, I mean, I, you. you know, listen, yeah. I haven't read so many graphic <laughs> memoirs, but yeah. that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and also the, the difference between a memoir and a novel seems pretty grand to me. So yes. the idea is that somehow in graphicness, it's all supposed to equalize. I just don't believe that. I don't right. buy People it. People are just calling it a graphic novel? People are calling it a graphic novel, but well, let's it's call it a graphic a, memoir. It's, yeah. not, it's, a it's not a novel. No, at all. It's not. No. And, and I think, you know, even the format of it, it is a memoir. And thank goodness my smart editors have that line on there where it says it's a memoir and conversations because they really explain what the thing yeah, is that you're mm -hmm. reading. Because I don't know without that if, if it would even, if you'd even necessarily put it together as a memoir as you being a kind of eavesdropper on a series of conversations I've had in my life. That's what right? it is. Yeah. So that's, and that's, and that was always intentional in that I realized very quickly. So you asked about the format. Yeah. Why this format? Mm -hmm. So normally when my son starts asking me heartbreaking questions and I stay up at night crying in the bathroom by myself, I write an essay about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like a very well-crafted sort of thing. And I think about every word and I make it just, you know, I make it hurt and I and I also just it comes from a place in me that's like here's how to craft this perfect thing and what I was realizing is that every time I tried to do that I was just ex I couldn't even begin. I was, was just too overwhelming. Yeah. It was overwhelming but it was also infuriating because you guys wouldn't even believe how many times if I were to tell you the amount of times that white people have asked me what happened? Like what was the bad thing that happened to you race-wise? And then I tell them and then, then that is their their first opportunity. They'll be like, "Did you? Are you sure you understood that? Maybe what? it could be this. What if it was this? Have you thought of this? Oh, I think it could be this. Like they want to hear the story, so they can refute it. But there's also something wrong with the question to begin with. It's like being a person of color in the world in America. Like you shouldn't need to ask the question, "What happened to you?" Right. I mean, I think people are sort of like I think. Honestly, I, I hope most people aren't here at this point, but I think there's still this sort of idea of like, does, but does racism really exist at this point? It doesn't seem like it does. I feel like a larger percentage of white Americans came mm -hmm. from that point of view yeah. in certainly 2015 than they do at this point. Yeah. Right. And so that's been your learning curve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But my experience of your learning curve has been incredibly painful mm -hmm. because it is the experience of somebody trying to say, this is what my life is like, and then having people like in a very 
kind of brutally optimistic way say, I don't think you know what you're feeling. I think... Questioning your experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think my sense of my own goodness is actually pretty solid. And I know I'm a good person. So that couldn't have happened to you. If that happened to you, it's because you have misunderstood my good intentions, even though the story was never about them in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 right, So it's like all sorts of things happen. So what did Mm -hmm. I do? Instead of trying to like unpack that feeling or make sense of it, because I don't think I ever will. Honestly, that one just bludgeons me. I drew us on printer paper and I cut us out and I went and got all the Michael Jackson albums from his room and I put us on top of them. And then I drew our conversation and then I stood on my dining room table like a weirdo and took pictures of it so I could just get that flat effect. And I cut them out, cropped them and I sent them to a friend. And I knew the minute I did it, I was like, this takes care of me. It just takes care of me. I don't have to explain myself anymore. I don't have to fight those voices who are frankly just going to line up to to like go to every single line, every verb, every adverb, every noun I choose, take issue with those instead of even listening to the story. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that anymore. I can just say this is the conversation. This is right. Happened. It's not about reflecting yeah. on the experience There's so no much as like laying out this is the exactly. actual thing that happened. Yeah. And in fact, you know, there are reflective portions in the book. They're so small. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, so, I, so I'm a rule person. I need to give myself a lot of rules. Same, same. Yeah. So like, so for me, creativity, creativity really generates when you give yourself a series of rules and then you kind of knock against them. Right. So my rules for this, when I first wrote it were, you cannot write a single feeling down. Hmm. Everything has to come in the form of dialogue or action. You cannot explain anything. And I wrote the whole first draft that way. Mm. And on the one hand, it was, you know, it was weird because when I read it over, I was like, you know, and my, I have an excellent writing group that read it and they were like, okay, but what are you feeling at this point? Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I do need to do some work there. But on the other hand, it left me available to do the emotional work after I had already kind of crafted. Laid it all out. Yeah. Yeah. 80%. You could be trying to think about all those things while you're putting this book together. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I was like using the muscle, using like, you know, one muscle really hard. And then I was like, oh, and this one's no longer fatigued. Let me go in and (laughs) let me go in and write about my feeling right now. And my feelings were very short. So what was the process of writing this book like? Because I imagine it's very different than sitting down and writing a novel. So bizarre. Yes, it was wildly different. And the biggest difference was I didn't know how to draw. Right. So that I, that's a big question for me. You had no training. I mean, I can, that's not, that's not true. I've, I have drawn many things. I have many beautiful painted journals. Mm-hmm. I hadn't drawn people very well. Hmm. And, um, and I hadn't ever tried to, I hadn't ever been able to draw in a way where I could make one person look like the grown up version of another. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, 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 totally. yeah. So like studying a face yeah. long enough to be like, okay, so when they're older, the eyebrows are going to go here yeah. and that kind of thing. I mean, um, the drawings are good. Thank you. That's one yeah. of the, not like surprise. I mean, I didn't, wasn't familiar with your artistic talents or lack thereof before, but I was like, wow, Mira's a writer, but she also has these beautiful and drawings. And she can draw too. Yeah. yeah. So what I did was I, there's, there is a very weird section of YouTube called Tasty Toots, and that's not <laughs> Tasty porn. Tasty Toots? Yeah. Okay. It's actually like tutorials on how to design and draw things. I watched a lot of those. I watched a lot of um, videos on people illustrating. Yeah. Like how they get the sense of a face. And then what I did was I just took the photographs, and um, at first I would just trace them. Uh-huh. But I realized really quickly, if you just trace a photograph, it looks dead. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. If you just take a photograph and trace it whole... 
Like I was like, that's the solution. And yeah. in fact, that's not the solution because mm -hmm. everybody looks like a weird flat like, person. Yeah, yeah. Like a vampire. Right? Uh, mm -hmm. And I knew that I was trying to get to a certain level of humanity, mm -hmm. but also not all the way to human because uh -huh. I think as you notice, the drawings don't change. I take, there's one Mira who's yeah. in her 20s. And, I and she lives through all the 20s same. moments. She lives all the, and her expression never changes. Yeah. yeah. Nothing ever changes about her. And to do that, it sounds so silly, but I just had to really calibrate. Like, how much humanity do I give her and how do I peel back? And mm -hmm. that was just a matter of refining that. So what I did was I watched a lot of videos on drawing. And then I, um, the first drawings were really bad and I just kept going. But, you know, and I was up for like, the entirety of three years. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Someone said to me the other day, they're like, what do you think has aged you the most motherhood? Or, and I was like, no, the three years I spent learning to, <laughs> learning learning to, to draw, draw. <laughs> in the middle of the night, worried, sick about the country. Yeah. But that was Did you I, enjoy that though? Yeah, yeah. I did because, mm -hmm. because I was doing all the other things. I was going to the protests and doing all of the thinking that I could. But that was the one thing that felt like a weapon that only I could use. Like this was my going to be my weapon. Mm -hmm. And so I was just going to figure out how to make it into the sharpest weapon possible. So the other morning over breakfast, my husband Thomas and I were talking about protein sources for some reason. I don't know exactly how we got on this topic, but I told him about the fact that pea protein exists and he seemed shocked, like just so surprised that you can extract protein from peas. Um, anyway, it made me realize that protein is more confusing than maybe I realized it is. And that is why we are so grateful to Care Of for sponsoring this week's episode of A Few Things. Care Of launched in 2016 with a goal of honest guidance and better ingredients personalized to each individual. They are now extending that same transparency and customization to the world of protein powders to offer the same personalized approach to find protein and boosts that fit your unique lifestyle, health, and goals. Protein is a super important building block of any healthy diet. After all, it is what our organs, muscles, hair, and skin are made of. Protein powders provide extra support to specific diets, especially those that exclude meat, such as vegetarians or vegans. Their protein is made of ingredients you can recognize from the best sources, such as whey from free-range grass-fed cows, or vegan plant protein made from, yes, organic peas, hemp seeds, and pumpkin seeds. Care-of's protein powders are low in sugar, we're talking one to four grams, and between 100 and 150 calories, so you can get your protein boost without consuming more calories or sugar than you were looking to consume. Delicious and formulated with real natural ingredients and flavors you'd recognize from your own pantry, they are an excellent option. For 25% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code a few things. That's takecareof for 25% off your first care of order with the code a few things. What about the photographs that are behind all the drawings? Yeah, so um so if for for people that aren't um, haven't seen the book, it's well, kind of first, a collage. Well, first fix that. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's yeah. a, come on, <laughs> it's a it's a collage effect. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like paper dolls laid on top of photographs, right? That's the way mm -hmm. that I sort of think of it in my brain. And the photographs, the reason I did that, and the and the drawings are always in black and white, um, which I have a reason for. And we can talk about that later. And then the the photographs in the back are usually like. A little bit grainy, a little bit textured. They look like iPhone photos a lot of them. A lot yeah. of them are. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are iPhone photos. Some of them are stock photos when there wasn't like a specific photo that I had. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are photos 
from like my friend Kurt, who is in New Mexico. And I was like, hey, Kurt, can you snap some pictures of this? I was like, can you go down to that elementary school playground on La Entrada and get the, and I was like, and and make sure it's around this time of day. And he was like, oh my God. Yeah. This assignment. Thank you. Yeah. I know. And it was really all of my friends. I mean, my friend Philip, I was like, could you have the bars that we hung out in the nineties? And he was like, weirdly I do. So, you know, it was like that thing. It was really a community project in that way. Um, so that's how the photographs got taken care of. So you were mentioning the, uh, the illustrations being in black and white. Why were they in black? Yeah. And white? So the illustrations were in black and white because, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in America, the way that we talk about race is always in black and white terms. Mm-hmm. There's never a place for me really mm-hmm. in that paradigm. And, um, and that, and so trying to figure out who I am within that paradigm has been my entire life. So I just wanted to leave us in that place. Like we are weirdly so, you know what I mean? It's like, are, are we, are like, where are we on this spectrum? I don't know. And one of the things I fear the most right now, one of the things I find so enraging is frankly how many Indian Americans would rather align themselves with the perks of whiteness rather than the truth of being people of color. Mm-hmm. It's really heartbreaking for me. Yeah. One of the reasons that I wrote the book. Um, so yeah, that's why the black and white. There are certain character, or there are certain drawings who play multiple roles, right? Like, yeah. um, and mm-hmm. I'm curious, and it's sort of like watching a play that, you know, some, the guy's like the a supporting cast. Scene, yeah, and then right. the next scene, he's like, I don't know, the boyfriend. So wh- how did you de- make that those decisions? Yeah, so that was... Um, so a lot of this was weirdly like a conversation I was having with myself. So mm-hmm. one night when I was lying in bed, I was like, so is that what you're saying? Are you just saying that whatever body you're born into dictates how you act in the world vis-a-vis race? Is mm-hmm. that really what you believe? Yeah. And I do think that there are certain, I think that it's, it's much easier to have certain blind spots mm-hmm. and um, and overlook privileges when you are white or aligned with whiteness. And mm-hmm. I say that as an Indian American of whose course. community often aligns itself with whiteness. So mm-hmm. I feel like I, I understand now more all the things I overlooked on the way to getting to this place. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'll know many more. So that said, like the, the, the thing that I was trying to do Wait, tell me the question again, because I was about to... About why you, there are certain um, drawings who play multiple characters. Yeah. So the thing I was trying to do in that moment mm-hmm. was I had this... I was lying in bed one night, and I was like, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Does that mean that everyone's locked into their body? And I was like, no. No, because you know damn well that you've met many people that are locked into almost the identical body, and you've had wildly different experiences with them. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so you just got to use that. Yeah. You just got to throw them into the script in different places. That's so that's super. Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. Were there other graphic memoirs or memoirs in general that you were looking to as you were writing this and thinking about how to structure it? No one was doing Okay, I've just got to be honest about that and it's going to yeah, sound no, really no, egotistical, no, no. but I get um very nervous whenever I'm working about looking at other people's work. Yeah. I get very nervous about um, both copying it and cribbing from it too much. I had read... Well, because also you're a rule follower, so there's like an inclination to be like, that's how it's done. Okay, yeah, right. like exactly. I should do it like that. Exactly. Yeah. And this I knew, I was like, you make it up. Like, it's your language. Yeah. You know the rules of this. You know it better than anybody. I could see the whole book. The minute that I thought of it, I was like, I know exactly what this feels like. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what this is going to feel like. And and weirdly, like, I was like, you just got to keep going. You can't look at other people's stuff. Don't worry about what they're doing. You are so like raw and honest in this book about 
really difficult conversations. Obviously, it's a book about conversations, but really difficult conversations you've had with your husband, with your in-laws. And I imagine you still talk to these people. <laughs> um, and how, what did the conversations look like with them about, okay, I'm putting this in this book and you're going to see this? Yeah. I, so I didn't give anyone the book until it was done, um, but not printed, mm -hmm. meaning I was done. The draft was done. Okay. And I gave it to them and I wrote them a note, my in-laws specifically. Um, my, and I said, you know, here's this book I wrote. And if you want to talk about any of it, I'm happy to talk about it. I hope that you can see all the love in here mm -hmm. because I feel like it's pretty palpable. Um, but this is my experience of what, what is like, well, this is my experience of America. Mm -hmm. And some part of that is my experience with you. Right. Um, and my mother-in-law called me back after and said, we're not ready to talk about it, but we love you. Oh, that's... And I was like, okay. That's nice. And, um, and they're not, they haven't changed their opinions at all. Okay. About Trump. W it hasn't there... evolved. Yeah. Was, were there any not moments, <laughs> were there any moments when, before you started writing the book or while you were writing the book where you were like, well, I can't share this. Like I couldn't possibly. Oh, there are a million things I didn't put in. Right. Yeah. Because, because of the implications it would have for your personal life. I didn't put them in um, actually for the implications it would have. <laughs> wow. What does this say about me? For the implications it would have for the reader. There's, we're so polarized right now. Mm -hmm. It's so mm -hmm. easy to throw in the easy polarizing detail it's so easy for me to put down a conversation that could easily be pegged as that's absolutely racist. And then everyone would be like, your in-laws are hateful. Mm. The so you wanted more they... nuance. Well, yeah. And also because that's that's not the right. hard part. Yeah. yeah like yeah, the yeah. hard part, I think I understand what's happening with the polarization. It's be And it makes sense. People are hurt and they're scared and they just want something to feel fucking safe. Yeah. You know, like yeah. let anything feel safe for me. And in that, in looking for that safety, they just slam down like, nope, you're not that person. You're not that person. You're not that I'm person. shutting you out because I need the safety. I get it. Yeah. But that's not actually where our hearts live. Like our brains can do that very easily, but our hearts harbor so many more complex emotions and so much more doubt and nuance lives in that place. And if you make somebody an easy enemy, then nobody has to deal with the heartbreak yeah. Like, it's so easy for people to be angry. It's so much harder for them to say, oh, my God, what do you do when the people that love you refuse to see you? And they love you. What do you do with that? I don't know. Yeah. Did you ask your son if he was okay with you sharing this stuff before you put it in? He was the one person that I said, you can take out anything. That's, wow. Did he? No, yeah. um, he didn't. I mean, but he's young yeah. and, and, it, and I understood that it was like in some ways an unfair question. So I said, here, I had a whole thing. You mm -hmm. want me to tell you the yeah, whole thing? Yeah, okay. Let's, so the whole yes. thing, whole thing, please. Yeah. The whole thing I said to him is, look, I wrote this book about us. I wrote this book about our conversations. I'm going to read you the parts that are about you and me. Anything that you feel like you don't want in there, you don't even have to explain why. Mm -hmm. Just say, not that mommy. Mm -hmm. And I'll just cut it out. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, and he said, I don't think I'll do that. And I was like, I know. And I was like, so here's the other part about this. You may look, might look back on this and say like, I wish 
like, and you know, I wish I had known this mm-hmm. or that. I wish you know, I understood yeah, these things. Because then I would have said about X it. or Y. Yeah. And I was like, so the truth is that I can't wait for you to be old enough to make those decisions because I need to put this book out into this world right now. But if you're angry about that later, we can talk about that. That's like you're allowed to be angry about that and we'll have to talk about that. Third thing, people are probably going to come up to you after this book because you're a kid in a very specific way and you're going to be older by the time it's published and they're going to want you to perform the racial innocence you had in this moment. Mm. Anyone God. that does that to you, is you do not need to do that for anyone. You can walk away. You can simply stop talking. You can tell them you don't want to talk to them. You can do whatever you're comfortable with, but what you don't have to do is perform racial innocence for a white audience that hungers for it. That's just not something you have to do. And then he was like, what does that mean? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, All what right, that fine. mean? I was like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. What? You want me to explain it to you like you're eight? Because you're eight? Um, and I was like, no, what that means is if somebody wants you to be that cute little kid that says these endearing things and you don't feel like being cute, you can just walk away from them. Like these feelings aren't cute feelings. Yeah. And they come through you and they came from you. So in some ways... I think they make it easier for people to hear, but they're not cute feelings. And you're allowed to feel the full power of them. How has he responded to the book coming out and and presumably, you know, seeing people's reactions? So we had this incredible experience the other day, which is that we went to um, a book club that's called the Literary Swag Book Club, which is almost entirely people of color. Mm-hmm. And it's run by this great guy, Yadon. And Z came with me because I couldn't find a babysitter. And he's not normally in those rooms with me. And they're asking a lot of questions. And it was a really good group. They're incredibly smart. And I could see him filling up, you know, like I could see the questions they were asking. I could see the thoughts that they had. I could see him filling up. And you guys, it's just been an extraordinarily painful three years to be raising a brown boy. Like so little of what is out there fills him up right now. And it was amazing to see, like, it was so gratifying to see this, like the energy. Oh, he yeah. Was and just like, he was like sitting taller. And then afterwards when we were signing, he was signing books and I was like, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I think it made him feel good. You know, have there been other sort of effects or consequences in your personal life of sort of sharing all of this personal stuff? I mean, one really strange effect is that people, uh, and I think this is true of probably memoirists everywhere, but mine is particularly conversational. Mm-hmm. People um, people think of think we're very close now mm-hmm. when they're strangers to me. Because and they know you. Yeah, they know you. I mean, you. I think yeah. that's true of memoirs, but you also have a way of writing that makes you feel very familiar and accessible. And yeah. that it, it, it's wonderful, and it's part of what makes it, it so works. enjoyable yeah, to yeah, read. Yeah. Like I, It makes it so moving because you feel like I, you're friends with you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, weirdly, we get this a little bit um, have, like I, yeah. for just from podcasting yeah. even or like yeah. now that we have a book in the world and like Completely. people know something about your life or have have some sliver of your life yes. and therefore feel they have the full picture. Yes. And then and so what's funny is so I get I get I mean, it's actually been really extraordinary. I for since the book has launched, like at first it was like a crazy amount of letters. It was maybe like 20 
like emails, letters, this, notes. Like people read this book fast too. We should yeah, say. It goes very fast. It takes like, I think it takes like it's three hours afternoon. or something. Yeah. People yeah. just read it very quickly. Yeah, so they're I like, did. I read the whole book. Yeah. I think they feel really good about that, which we all should. Because <laughs> um, it also looks thick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, they're it's patting themselves book. on the back yeah. and writing this. They're like, I even had time to write this letter. About <laughs> exactly. <it." laughs> exactly. First of all, I read your whole book and I'm mm-hmm. like, thank you for that. Um, but then they write me these super personal letters, which are amazing. Mm-hmm. And that is actually the, the real upshot of this yeah. is that the letters are beautiful and they're detailed and amazing. And the crazy part of it is I just had to send a bunch of them to my publisher the other day because I need them to know how many of us are out here that are so underserved. Yeah. It is wild to me. And also, by the way, they're not all East Indian women married to Jewish men. Yeah. Right. Raising oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's yeah. like everyone who's like, everyone who's never felt like they've had a voice on the spectrum yeah. who are like, I don't really know how to say how complicated my shit is. And, you know, like, I don't really know how to say all that. You said some of it. I am from like, I'm Mexican and I'm Jewish and my husband's, you know, black and his mother's, you know, Korean and we have these fights and, you know, just all of the stuff that we really are. All of those people are coming to talk to me, which is amazing. And it makes me feel like this really wild thing, which is if you guys, when you open the book. They um, they did this beautiful thing, which is that they took every character oh, I, I drew yeah. on the end paper, yeah, yeah, on the end papers, and made it almost into like as though every character is standing on a set of bleachers. And mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time I open that, I just think like, oh my god, that's my America. Mm-hmm. There's my America. That's, that's really beautiful, my America. And the letters mm-hmm. are like getting letters from that America. It's wild. Is it exhausting holding all of that emotional weight? So that's the other side of it. Yeah. The other side of it is how um, people feel proprietary about my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also my time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because I'm a mother, they assume in some way that I will be able to mother them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want a maternal care from you. And I, I kind of keep having to kind of gently and not maybe directly, but sort of feel like I've got my own kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have my life. How do you deal with that? Do you respond to the letters? How do you deal with all of this stuff? Uh, the letters I always you. respond yeah. to. I try to respond to every letter, which is to like thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I can't go by point by point with yeah. all of them. There's just too many. And I want, but more you're than validating. Anything, I just want their, people to yeah. know, like, I yeah. got you. Thank yes. you. Yeah. I read this. I heard you. I read you. And it's thank you. Because I do feel deeply thankful. With people, there's a weird, the, um, the intimacy thing is a different, it comes out in a different way. Honestly, the way it comes out most is white women that walk up to me and say, I could never deal with in-laws like yours. And the answer is you wouldn't have to. And the answer <laughs> is just sort of like, also, it's sort of like, bitch, yeah. yeah. do you think you have not sold out some part of yourself yeah. at some point? Yeah. Trying totally. to figure out who you are. Like, I don't feel like I've sold myself out for my in-laws. I feel like I have a really complicated relationship no, with course. them that yeah. I've tried to kind of make my peace with, but it's difficult. There are times when I feel good about that, and there's times that I don't feel good about that. But what I don't feel is that I am passive and accepting and not thinking. None of your I- actions represent that that is how you are. <laughs> and the idea that someone will come at me with like, well, I don't know how you do that. Mm-hmm. With this sort of, and it's sort of like, well, I don't know what who you think you are. I don't know how you think this world operates and what you don't know about how it operates for you versus how it operates right. for me. Exactly. And what you aren't looking at about your own blind spots. But like, just because I challenged mine doesn't mean that you now get to hold yourself in a superior position. Get get a hold of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where that like yeah. lands for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's more complicated when it comes from people of color because it comes from them too. Like I would never deal with that. It's like, well, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Well, but I. But what does not think, dealing with that even yeah, look like? Because you actually illustrate, literally illustrate it in such a nuanced way your relationship with them, and I don't get the sense that you're dealing with it, and I also don't get the sense that you're um, that you're you know blocking them out, blocking them out, or, or deciding you're not going to deal with it. You express like that all you know you can love them, and you it's can also be very hurt by them, and all of these things can be true. I mean, that's this is what I'm trying to do, and the and the other the other factor is that frankly is that I have this son. Yes, and he and, loves them as he should because mm-hmm. they adore him. And they're good And they're his grandparents. And that's something you, that you well, have yeah. to factor in. And I do things. also feel like he's lost a lot. Like he lost, you know, he lost a president yeah. that saw boys like him and understood that they were human. He lost a country that he felt safe in with his body. Like he's got to lose his grandparents too because his mother can't deal. No, that's not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to feel really complicated about it. I'm going to write about all the complications I feel about it because that's the only way I know how to get through this moment with my skin on. But that's the, when you're asking me like, what is the hard part of the intimacy? The hard part of the intimacy is that, and I knew this when I was writing, I was like, you're literally inviting people to judge you. And surprise, still sucks (laughs) when they do. Yep. You know, like, I don't, I don't have a great, I don't have like a bulletproof vest for that. (laughs) I still hate it when they do. Um, And then I, I usually end up, so there are a couple of friends of mine that are in the book. Um, Thani and Thanais and um, Caitlin, and um, they're also writers. And I, I usually just, you know, and Allison and I sort of end up like grumbling to them, like, rah, 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 and they sort of put me back together. Yeah, but this is what you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, and this is the other part. Like, remember the other part of this. Right, 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 right. You know, the other part yeah. where you're like, that's the shitty people. part. But yeah, yeah. yeah. The other really funny thing, the, I will tell you the one surprise about this, is I thought there would be, and maybe this is still to come, who knows, life can be crazy. Um, there haven't been as many people as I thought might maybe would take huge umbrage with this. There are a couple mm-hmm. people. I mean, there are always the angry people that literally read a book like this and they think it's about nothing but whiteness. Right. Like they actually take it as nothing, but mm-hmm. like they they take it, they're like, well, this is about hating Donald Trump and how much Mira Jacob doesn't like white people. And it's like, wow, you just put yourself in the damn middle of a story that wasn't about you. That's weird. Like, it's about everyone. Everyone else is like, oh my God, I've never seen myself before. And all you can be is like, I don't see myself. I play such a small role in this book. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've been surprised that I haven't had that much of that. Yeah, um, that's something. Which is a joy, you guys. Yeah, I thought, honestly, totally. when the book came, I was like, okay, that's so what I'm you're gonna preparing spend, for. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to spend yeah. the next seven months being told about how much I, appear, you know, like, hate how America. much I hate America. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh-huh. that's the only conversation anyone's going to want to have. And that has not been the case, which, again, gives me this wild and crazy hope because we are out here. Like, yeah. other America yeah. is out here dying to talk about everything else. Mira, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Oh, thank you for talking. You're, You're invited so back anytime. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. I would love to keep doing this forever. Please, okay. please, please. <laughs> That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. And hey, leave us a review. Follow us at Of A Kind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise on our podcast, that's advertising at ofakind.com. Our intro music is Butterfield East, is performed and written by the Soulful Saints. <laughs>